Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is December 2nd, 2020. I wonder if people realize that I cannot hear any of that. <laughs> no, probably because like, you just said Sometimes there. I just have to pretend and like I'll do a little dance, but I can't hear anything. But you could put your headphones on, but Molly yeah. cannot have any delay Mm-mm. because she just totally locks up her speech. Yeah, my brain. She can't like hear. I'm so nosy mm-hmm. that I'm like, I have to hear everything. And if I'm talking and I hear it at the same time, but like two seconds later, it's it's too much. Yeah. So can't it's, do it. it's really funny. We spent a lot of time getting it hooked up to where there's no delay. And now she doesn't even wear headphones. So there's no delay? No. So I can listen to it? Yeah, you can listen to it. I'm you know, listening to you. What right I now. think it is is the I don't have any earbuds. Uh, the earbuds it, I have are children's earbuds, it, which I do have small ear holes. So, it, I mean, they kind of fit, but they're a little uncomfortable. They're a little too short. If nothing else, we are definitely <laughs> masters of excuses around here. <laughs> yeah, I don't do it because my ear holes are too small. <laughs> the small ear holes. All right. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of days. We got a relatively decent podcast for you tonight gonna to be a lot of preaching in this one probably some media bashing i know everybody likes that it's only day three of the bye week and i feel like it's been a long three days yeah it's gonna be a long about two weeks week i know i feel like i'm just like scrounging for buck stuff mm-hmm. yeah the uh we're gonna cover some of the uh, stuff from the chiefs game some of the way the media's reported it uh tony romo we're gonna talk about uh, how the fans have reacted. Uh, we've got some Buccaneer news to catch you up on, and uh, we've got just us being awesome. How about that? Yeah. So strap in and buckle up. We got it coming to you. No fact checks or follow ups, right? Because we're <laughs> not doing that anymore, apparently. Yeah, dear. Mm. I love the fact checks and follow ups because. Well, you can do them. No is, one's stopping you. I was the one that always did them. I just stopped doing it because I uh, you know, got too much other stuff on my plate. That's my excuse. Okay, great. This would be a good segue. You know, one of the things that we, the reason why we do the fact checks and follow ups is to hold ourselves accountable. We don't want to just get on here and spout a bunch of crap, you know, and be wrong. And not hold ourselves accountable. So that's what you look, you're looking like. Mm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think some of our listeners might disagree. <laughs> disagree with what? Nothing. That anyhow, the, the fact check the follow ups keep us accountable. And, uh, you know, we, we started this podcast. If you're not familiar with our whole backstory and everything. We're going to break it down a little bit for you here. We started this podcast because we got really tired of the media. You know, when you get Buccaneers information, you got a very, very limited amount of people that are going to give you Buccaneers information. You've got Buccaneers media, and then you've got the national talking heads on the sports networks that are going to talk about it. Other than that, you ain't going to get much. And you get some some fan forums and gatherings and all that good stuff. But, you know, when you want to really get Buccaneers information, you have to go through certain outlets. Well, we watched for years and years and years, and we started noticing that 
these outlets were controlling information and they were saying things that were incorrect in order to boost certain individuals up and they were saying things that were incorrect in order to tear certain individuals down and we documented this for years and it was it was kind of a big uh, big eye opening for us as to how all these things operate it's not about getting truth and information out to the fans it is really about controlling the narrative and lifting up who you like and tearing down who you don't. That is what we saw. Now, it all started in 2011 with Raheem Morris. You know, 2010 was a great year. It was exciting. Josh Freeman came in. We wore the throwback uniforms, beat uh, Brett Favre, was it? Or was it Aaron Rodgers at that point? I think it was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it was Aaron Rodgers. And... It was great. It was just like a new awakening. We got the new Youngery team. This was after, you know, going through some quite a few years of despondency under John Gruden, seeing all of our star players retire or leave the team. And to have Raheem Morris come in and just really bring a lot of energy was exciting. 2011 rolled around. We we, we ended up going 10-6 and six in 2010 with Raheem Morris as a rookie coach, youngest coach in the league, you know, never coached a team before. And he, we had a bunch of young guys. We didn't have a huge salary cap. We had, what, LeGarrett Blunt, uh, uh, Mike Williams, Josh Freeman. Akib Tlaib. Akib Tlaib. I think the 10-6 and six season was 2010. Yes. He came in in 2009 when he started so that was the second year okay okay yeah so there you go keep me fact checked and follow up i got you uh so then 2011 rolls around and everybody was excited and the buccaneers started off like gangbusters i mean we were just rolling i think we were four and two and we went to play in london we flew over there and we played the chicago bears and we got out and we just laid an egg the team was flat Nobody looked like they were trying. No defense. No defense. Obviously, it was like forty-five to three or it, something. It yeah, was it was a it was a very embarrassing game, and we everybody was shocked. But then it, it was well, you know, it is London. You got jet lag and all that good stuff. So you know, we didn't really think much about it. But then the rest of the season happened. We didn't win a game for the rest of the season. Ended up going what twelve and four. And four and twelve. Four and twelve. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been nice if we went at 12 and 4. I know. <laughs> we went 4 and 12, and we sat there and we watched this team full of players who had almost made the playoffs the year before give up on this team. They wouldn't tackle, they wouldn't catch, they weren't playing. We knew something was wrong, but we couldn't figure it out. And the media wasn't telling us. They totally ignored it. All they did was sit there and go, oh, they're playing bad, they're playing bad, they're playing bad. But we we could see it as fans that this team had quit on Raheem Morris. Well, then Raheem Morris ended up getting fired, and they brought in Greg Schiano. Now, the reason why they hired they fired Greg Schiano or fired Raheem Morris and hired Greg Schiano was because of the personality problems or the character problems they were having in the locker room. Now, we didn't find out about this until after the season. You know, when they fired him, we were like, what? What is going on here? Come to find out, you know, you've got LeGarrette Blonde and Tanari Jackson and Akeem Tlaib and, all, you know, they're all going out to the strip clubs and doing drugs and Raheem Morris was with them and all this good stuff. But we didn't find that out 
through the Buccaneers media. We found that out through other avenues. Like fan forums, like locals forums. in Tampa kind of knew. Right, know? yeah, People everybody knew. in, and then that, that'll get us to the Josh Freeman story. So, you know, we're, we were kind of befuddled where we're like, what is, why didn't the media report any of this while it was going on? And then we got Greg Schiano. Now, Greg Schiano was very strict. He was very disciplined. He had a lot of rules. Uh, he you know, kept the temperature in all the meeting rooms at a certain degree. He expected players to have their toes on the line during pregame workouts and all this good stuff. And a lot of the players didn't like it. You know, they were used to Raheem Morris. Oh, Kevin, Kellen Winslow was on the team at mm -hmm. the time. That's right. Which, again, we're going to talk about him in the media. So we've got Greg Schiano comes in, and he cleans house. He gets rid of a lot of players. And a lot of the players I really liked, like Garrett, Garrett Blunt, it, it was heartbreaking for me when we got rid of him. Mm -hmm. And But I really liked Greg Schiano. I liked his style. I like he was defensive-minded. And I liked the way he did his press conferences because he talked to the fans when he did his press conferences, some of the best press conferences I've ever watched. You know, he was just really truthful and talked to the fans. You know, he talked right past the reporters. Well, anyhow, come to find out, Greg Schiano was not real open with the reporters in the sense that he didn't give them access to players. Uh, there was times in the when he was in college coaching Rutgers where he would keep the reporters in a certain section, kind of like a little dugout section. And they didn't like that. Reporters like to be treated special. They like to be, you know, given their little uh, buffet tables, their press boxes, their access to players. You know, they're, they've, they've got their own attitude to how things are supposed to be. Well, they didn't like Greg Schiano. And coming into the coaching thing, journalists all across the nation were just pounding Greg Schiano about how horrible he is, he's a bad person, all that good stuff. Well, it, it, it didn't take long for the local media to catch on to that train, and they started attacking him. And I think it was year two. Uh, we had the MRSA outbreak, uh, Josh Freeman collapsed, and there was just a mess of stuff going on and the media just went crazy. They, they attacked Greg Schiano every chance they got and come to find out they were wrong. They were wrong. They were using anonymous sources. They were using, uh, gossip rumors, all this stuff saying that Greg Schiano, the Greg Schiano did the captain's vote himself. He changed the votes that he, that he was uh, trying to get rid of Josh Freeman because he wanted Mike Glennon in. I mean, there was just all kinds of crazy stuff. All of it without evidence, but the media just pounded it, pounded it, pounded it, and basically turned the whole fan base against Greg Schiano. And this was also when the whole anti-bullying campaign was going on nationwide, and so everybody was calling Greg Schiano a bully. So we sat there and watched all that. And it was really tough for Molly because Molly is a, a, she's a very optimistic and happy person. Me, I, I'm the kind of person I like to, she's agreeable, I'm disagreeable. I like to fight. Mm -hmm. So I'm all up in the middle of all that mess <laughs> and I'm fighting with people. And 
Molly wants sports to be fun. It's fun for me. You drink some beer, you watch some dudes hit each other, <laughs> you eat some fried food. Like, what? What's not you get to, to yell and jump up I and down. Know. Yeah. Talk shit to people. And she had gone through seeing the Raheem Morris breakdown, and then she had to watch the fan base and the media turn on Greg Schiano, and it was just no fun for her. She actually stopped watching football for like a year. And the the viciousness from the media was really what made us go, what is going on? Because this is this is not what we're seeing on the field, and this is not what we're seeing in the press conferences, and this is not what we're seeing in the All-22. Yeah, the press conferences were the big thing because we, like, never missed a press conference. Mm-hmm. Hardly, very rarely did we miss one. Mm-hmm. And he was so... Jo- like jovial, nice, cordial. pleasant, cordial. Yes. Yeah. And they just said like awful things about his press conferences. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you people even watching? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think they kind of counted on people not actually watching them. Right. Yes. Which is, it seems to be a thing that they count on people not fact checking and following them up. So I started, I, I, I've been watching game film ever since. Uh, Game Pass has come out. It used to be called something different. I can't remember what it was called. But uh, the day it came out. Rewind, right? Game Rewind. Yeah, that's right. The day it came out, I got it. And I've been watching game film on the Buccaneers uh, ever since. And I watched Gerald McCoy a lot. And at this point in time, the media was talking about him as though he was the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they were talking about him getting double teamed all the time. It, you go back and read any article from, I'd say, 2012 to 2018. And every time they mentioned Gerald McCoy's name, it was followed by the amount of Pro Bowls he did, had, and how many sacks he had that season, and the fact that he was double teamed all the time. It, I mean, it was everywhere. They, they couldn't open their mouth without saying it. But I'm sitting here and I'm watching the All-22 and I'm seeing he's not getting double teamed all the time. I, I, I'm like, where? what are they talking about? Where are they getting this double team mess from? And there were times when like Clinton McDonald was being double teamed right. more than him. Yeah. Or, you know, Michael, ba- or I don't think Michael was on the team by then, but, Mm-mm. you know, everybody else was double teamed more than him. Right. I actually kept stats and everything. And if you go back to the old Buccaneers Observer, old articles, I would post the double team stats and Jerry McCoy was one of the lowest guys that would get double teamed. So I found it very strange. Well, then come to find out that, uh, Jerry McCoy was always in front of the camera. He was always given interviews. I saw him with on Stephen Colbert. We were, uh, we had a losing record that year. I want to say we were four and twelve again, or or something in that nature. But yet, here's Gerald McCoy on Stephen Colbert giving an interview on Stephen Colbert. I'm, I was like, "What is going on here? What is that all about?" So then I started looking into a bunch of stuff and come to find out, uh, Gerald McCoy had the same agency as uh, Stephen Colbert, the same agent, and it's the largest agency in the world. Uh, so, you know, Gerald McCoy really, really knew how to market himself. And he, 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 he paid a lot of money to a lot of people to make sure he got marketed well. But one thing he did know, and he was very good at, was be friendly to the media. 
And you can't get much more of a friendly guy to the media than Gerald McCoy was. There was never a camera that Gerald McCoy would not get in front of or a microphone. And the media loved him. The local media loved him because he would always give them quotes. He would always give them an interview after every game. They would crowd around his locker room and he would, you know, give them interviews. And then come to find out, you know, he had their personal cell phone numbers. He would call them up and talk to them. Now, we speculate. We don't know for sure. We speculate that a lot of the rumors and stuff that came out during the Greg Shiano time and the Lovey Smith time was coming straight from Jerry McCoy. And, you know, of course, Jerry McCoy could manipulate the media the way he wanted them to be, and they would go along with it. They're like, oh, Jerry McCoy doesn't like this guy. Well, we'll trash him. You know, we'll just <laughs> say, oh, we heard this about this player or this coach and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, the whole fan base is attacking that player or that coach. So we started watching all this, and then finally we got fed up with it. We said, okay, I think it was the Lovey Smith era, or was it the Cutter Smith? Oh, yeah, because Lovey Smith comes in. You know, they, they finally ended up running Greg Shiano out of town. Yeah, they ran Greg out of town mm-hmm. to bring in Lovey Smith. To bring I in mean, Lovey Smith, yeah. Greg was still on the coaching staff, and all the Bucks media are talking about, oh, we can get Lovey Smith. Let's get Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. don't we hire Lovey Smith? Right. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, they, they treated Lovey Smith with kid gloves. Kid gloves. Uh, like he was, you know, basically black Jesus. They actually, there was, I, I think it was the Buccaneers.com that put it out, uh, Scott Smith, that did 100 Days of Lovey when he first got hired. Yeah, Lovey's I first 100 Days. It was a big essay, about, you know, or expose on, you know, Lovey Smith. I, the never first seen 100 Days. The first yeah. 100 Days, yeah. And Lovey Smith, one of the first things he did when he got hired was he fired, he cut our whole offensive line. And this was a Pro Bowl offensive line. You know, they had it down year the year before, but. You know, I mean, Donald Penn, I think, is still in the league, our left tackle at the time. But he fired our whole offensive line, and we had to deal with that for years and years and years. We're still – we're just now getting to the point where we have a stable offensive line. I think in the past two years, you could say. Uh, But before then, if you recall, we've had a horrible offensive line. We've had to deal with swapping people out and getting – free agents and all this good stuff. And it was all because of Lovey Smith. He came in and just, I've never seen it like before a head coach come in and just blow up a whole unit like that. The media didn't say a word and I'm sitting there freaking out. I was like, this cannot turn out to be good. And sure enough, it didn't. We ended up going really bad and getting first pick in the draft and got James Winston and all that good stuff. Oh God, we had to endure Josh McCown. Yeah, we had to join. I was pregnant that year, too, so there was no beer. (laughs) It was the worst. That was a miserable (laughs) football year for you. So anyhow, we saw all this going on, and we said, okay, we we just can't deal with this anymore. There's so much that's not being told or that's being told incorrectly that we feel like we need to get our voice out there and, you know, kind of counteract, hold the press accountable. Nobody was doing it at the time, you know, hold the press accountable. And we felt like there was a, uh, there was a lack of education with the fan base. They were relying too much on the words of the press to get the information. So then we decided, Hey, let's start doing videos and, you know, all 22 and just start, you know, letting people see that there's more to it than just what the press says. So that was one of the reasons why we started this podcast. 
an example of how absolutely bad the press is, is Kellen Winslow. And we've talked about him quite a few times on this podcast. Now, Kellen Winslow, if you're not aware, was just sentenced to a very long time in prison for rape of multiple people. Kellen Winslow Jr. used to be a tight end for the Buccaneers, and he was a good tight end. He did as well. Mm-hmm. But he did have attitude problems, and when Greg Schiano came in, he immediately took off to to Seattle and went up to Seattle and mocked Greg Schiano. You know, toes on the line. Of course, the media played that a gazillion times. They were just so happy with uh, Keller Winslow because he was against Shiano. Same thing happened with Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett went to Seattle, and he had an option to stay here in the Buccaneers, but he he didn't want to stay. He went and then he go went there and kind of started talking crap about Greg Shiano there too. So of course, everybody loved Michael Bennett because the media hated. Shiano, not just local media, but the national media. And it came out later that they admitted to this, that they said when when Greg Shiano was hired, they were going to do everything they could to get rid of him. And I've got that documented. So anyhow, back to Keller Winslow Jr., he <laughs> ends up being a complete freakzoid. Apparently, it comes out, you know, once he gets convicted of these rapes or gets charged with these rapes after he's been you know, out of football for a few years. Mm-hmm. And had been to like four teams. Yeah, he played for the Jets and... The Browns, or he came from the Browns, I think. But. Right, yeah, we got him from the Browns. and He played, uh, he even was with the Patriots for a bit, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Can't remember, but he, he, he bounced around the league after he left us, you know, Seattle and all that good stuff. But we find out later, after he gets arrested, you know, this is years after he's out of the league, that the guy has a complete sexual problem he used to carry like blow-up dolls or sex dolls it was like a torso like a torso. in a suitcase he, in his suitcase he would travel with this he'd take it on the plane and we think that this might have something to do with the 2011 uh, breakdown that the buccaneers had going to chicago but we never we have never gotten anything from the media about that about the chicago thing and they never ever ever said anything about keller winslow now, apparently, this was widely known. Everybody knew it, but nobody said anything about it yeah. until after he got arrested. He was, like, watching porn and jerking off in the locker room. Like, I just find it hard to believe, especially someone who has no filter, no mm-hmm. control of right. themselves. I mean, think about all the female media members. Do mm-hmm. you think someone like that is... And that's, in fact, one of the things he's accused of is jerking it in front of some old lady in a hot tub you think he wouldn't have done that to like a female media member and just yes you know yeah no it, they knew they knew they just chose not to say anything because you know they probably liked the guy he gave good interviews or whatever he gave him access and plus he hated shiana so you know they checked all the boxes as far as the media was concerned they weren't gonna say anything bad about him so anyhow all this is going on and we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to start a podcast where we try to hold them accountable. We try to hold everybody accountable and, you know, get, get a more educated fan base going and let them see some of the stuff that we see. Well, we said at the beginning of the year when Tom Brady came that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like Tom Brady. As a matter of fact, there's 31 other teams that don't like Tom Brady. And there is a large possibility 
that the media is going to do everything they can to create as much drama as they can with Tom Brady coming here. Yeah, because they, they love that. I mean, ESPN might as well be called the TMZ of sports. You know, they just, they live for this stuff. And Tom Brady is just a huge draw, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. So we said, be careful of the media trying to divide the fan base, the team, ownership, and all that good stuff. We, we, we've done quite a few podcasts on that, actually. Because they, they have attempted it once that I can recall, maybe twice. Well... I think it's happening again. <laughs> we were watching the, all that the roundabout way to, to get her, to get to what we wanted to talk about. Watching that game Sunday, listening to Tony Romo talk, I was just flabbergasted, amazed at what he was saying because it was completely not true. Completely not true. My eyes have seen the exact opposite of what he was saying. My eyes were seeing on the field the exact opposite of what he was saying. But yet somehow, and I find this very strange, what he said has now been broadcast, amplified, and repeated by the national media and the local media. And it's filtered down to our fan base. Our fan base has been in a tizzy over... Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and Bruce Arians not, you know, running the right offense for Tom Brady, uh, us not running enough pre-snap motion or post-snap motion or in, in snap motion or uh, play action <laughs> or, you know, Tom Brady's routes. I, I, I was sitting there watching Tony Roman. I like Tony Romo. He, you know, we, we were excited about him uh, comment commenting on the game. And then when, you know, the Buccaneers didn't come out strong, he just started trashing them. I mean, he attacked the Buccaneers, but he attacked the coaching staff. And that's what he was doing the whole time is he was attacking the coaching staff. And I, it makes me wonder what, What's the ulterior motive behind that? You know, because the players could have been attacked very easily. As a matter of fact, I would put more of the blame on the player, players by far than on the coaching staff. But Tony Romo didn't. He chose to basically say the coaching staff is screwing up. Now, Tony Romo is not the only one. We've had a whole cascade of characters who have jumped on this bandwagon. Everybody at uh, TMZ Sports has jumped on the bandwagon. Dan Orlovsky, uh, Dan Quinn, uh, who's who used to be the coach of the Jets, the big guy, snacks guy, Red, Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, you know he's jumped on the bandwagon. Oh, he, good lord! Yeah, you've you just got everybody just putting their two. Oh yeah, in. we watched a clip from the NFL Network. I don't ever watch these few people. I think it's yeah. Good Morning Football. Mm -hmm. I don't ever watch it, but it it was the first I'd seen of them the other day. Yeah, I've got a whole. Uh, list of videos <laughs> of people just trashing our coaching staff. He's got a list. Well, you know me and my list. I love my <laughs> list. <laughs> but Tony Romo was wrong. He was wrong in what he was saying. And I was sitting there while it was going on going, I can't believe he's saying this. It, it was really, I want to say, ignorant. Now, I don't know if Tony Romo's got ulterior motives if he's trying to, you know, just stir up some drama or if he doesn't like Coach Arians or Bowles or 
left which I, I don't know what his incentive for doing that was. I want to say that it was just because he was just bullshitting. Yeah, just yeah, running his mouth. Yeah, you know, you sit there for three or four hours. Those guys have a pretty hard job. You know, they got to come up with stuff to say for three or four hours. You know, they can't have dead space. They got to constantly comment on stuff and they got to act like they know what they're talking about, even when 90% of the time they don't. And 90% of the time, I don't pay attention to what they're saying. <laughs> Because I know. I don't either. I'm like horrible no. for it. And Ralph will be like, did you hear that? And I'm like, no, what'd they say? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> hey, you just tune them out. Because to me, they make the, the game worse. Yes. You know, a lot of times I don't even, or for years I didn't, I would just turn them off and put music on. But, uh, you know, now I, I keep them on because, you know, we want to make sure we don't miss any information. The exception is I do listen to Chris Collinsworth because no. I think he's an idiot and I like he's to make so, fun of him. <laughs> he's so he's so bad. Also, I listen for the double entendres. That makes it fun too. Now, Tony Romo started off after uh, you know we we went three and out. You know they went down the, the Chiefs went down the field and they scored three points and then we get the ball, we go three and out. And Tony Romo just like started taking these little jabs. He was taking jabs at the play calling. He was taking jabs. But the big jab he had, and I just found this so strange, was the lack of motion. (laughs) I, I, I I don't know what game he was watching. The very first play we had motion. I put together a bunch of clips from the game and... You know, we do motion a lot. Brady calls motion quite a bit. And that's the thing. Brady calls motion. I I just found it very strange how Tony Romo was blaming the coaching staff for not putting motion into the game, not playing, calling plays with motion. When he, of all people, he's an ex-quarterback. He knows it's the quarterback that calls for motion. Now, there are designed plays with motions, but... 99% 99% of the time, it's the quarterback that calls for motion. So if there's no motion being called, it's the quarterback that doesn't want the motion. But Roma was sitting there on national national TV saying that the coaching staff was not implementing enough pre-snap motion. Now, there's been people that have been arguing whether he was talking about uh, the pre-snap motion or at the snap motion. From what I heard, he was talking about pre-snap motion. But then, you know, after after this all kind of stuff blew up, all of a sudden this uh, at-the-snap motion became the issue, which, you know, ah. It's, <laughs> it's kind just, of rewriting yeah, it, his it, comments. It's kind I mean. of like uh, you're trying to gaslight. So, you know, Tony Romo knows that it's the quarterback that – calls for motion. You know, when he wants to figure out what the other, you know, whether the defense is going to run, you know, zone or man, he can't figure it out by looking at the formation. He'll call somebody into motion. Which is so ridiculous. Like, he's been in the league 20 years. Do you really think he needs that much motion to figure out a defense? I know. And then, then, you know, he's like blaming the coaching staff for this. And I'm just sitting there going, what? This doesn't make any sense. What is he talking about? You know, and I, it's it's really the reason why we have this podcast so that we can call out stuff like this, because you know it's up to Brady to do that, and 
what happened is, you know, Tony Romo said that. The national media picked up on it. They just started pounding away at it. You can't turn on a damn radio station or watch a TV program or a sports channel now without somebody sitting there complaining about how uh, Bruce Arians ain't using Tom Brady effectively and all this stuff. We've heard this before. We've heard this with Greg Schiano, mm-hmm. who the media didn't like. Uh, remember when we had a great run defense but a horrible secondary, and everybody said, oh, you know, we got to get somebody for a secondary. So what did Greg Schiano do? He went out and he got Daryl Rivas, the best cornerback in the league. And then, oops, we ran him in zone instead of man coverage. So everybody, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, everybody oh was saying God. Craig Schiano didn't use Daryl Rivas effectively. Using him, yes. yeah. So you know, it's one of those you know it's, when they want to find stuff to attack you for, they're just going to do it. You know, getting around it. That and that also brings me up to whatever happened to the zone coverage issue that everybody was talking about for the past few weeks. You know what or, happened to it? What's that? Carlton Davis got burned for touchdowns in man coverage. <laughs> That's what happened to it. Or that we're not using the tight ends. Right. Yeah. Gronk had a hundred yard game. Yeah. You know, and he he started having good games. And so then that narrative just disappeared. They've been trying. They have been trying. You know. And I think a lot of it is that we're not doing as good as everybody expected. So people are trying to figure out why. So they're coming up with all this silly stuff. To me, it's real simple. We're not catching the ball. We're not tackling. That to me is the difference in the game. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Kansas city game, we went three and out because we threw a bomb to Mike Evans that went right through his hands. Mm. And that, play would have put us in field goal range. That would have put us on their 15 if he would have caught that. That would have been a field goal, minimum. Chances are pretty good. You know, we do really good in the red zone, so we probably would have got a touchdown. We would have been up 7-3. If nothing else, it would have been 3-3. Three to three. But Mike Evans didn't catch that ball. It went right through his hands. You didn't hear anybody complain about that. Nobody. There were four dropped passes that I counted in the first quarter by the Buccaneers. Maybe the first quarter and a half. But three of them were on third downs. Nobody is talking about that. Going into this game, according to the statisticians, we were the third, we're the third highest dropped rate receivers in the league. Nobody's talking about that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's using that as an excuse as to why. We aren't doing as well. Now, there are. Which is weird because that was the excuse about Tom Brady last year was he was not on the same page with his receivers. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, his receivers suck. They kept dropping yeah. passes. Right. Yeah. And you, you got the same thing going on here. There, there, I mean, there's obvious miscommunication between the quarterback and the receivers. And like I've said, ever since Arians has been here, that you know, this is a very complex offense for the quarterbacks and the receivers. I mean, they, they really have to pay attention to what's going on. So, you know, you have those breakdowns and people will mention them, but they won't go. That's, that's a really big part of why we are not 10 and what would we be 10 and one (laughs) or whatever, because of all the drop passes and the missed tackles. Now let's go to the missed tackles. Tyreek Hill catches the ball. He's running down the field. Mike Edwards comes over, totally whiffs on him. It happened twice where 
we missed tackles on Tyreek Hill, and that's what allowed him to get into the end zone. We missed quite a few tackles yesterday. We've missed tackles for the past four or five weeks that have been crucial. Uh, the Rams game. Mm-hmm. You know, right before the second half, they got into field goal range because of a long run after the catch where we had three guys that missed tackles. And that three points was the difference in the game. But yet, for some reason, the media wants to blame Bruce Arians. So, Buccaneer fans, be careful out there, man. Be careful to what you're, what you're following, what you're listening to. Now, Bruce Arians has got a pretty good offense. I, I'm not a fan of it completely. You know, it's there's a lot of things I would change. You know, I would say, oh, I like this more than that and everything. But you know, it, it's gonna work. You. Know, Tom Brady is having a stellar year when you look at his stats. As a matter of fact, when you compare Tom Brady to all the other quarterbacks that have played in Arian's system, especially the first year that they started in the system, which is like the hardest year, you know, normally their interceptions are through the roof and all that good stuff. Tom Brady is the best out of all of them, by far. So, you know, I I, I don't have any issues whatsoever with how they're running this team. You know, the, the only issues I have is that, you know, players aren't catching the ball and we're missing tackles. You know, not not horribly. I mean, it's not like we're dropping the ball every time and it's not like we're missing every tackle. You know, so we're not scrubs out there. But at key points, we're missing. You know? It's just like we're not firing on all cylinders. That, oh, most right. definitely. Yes. You know. Yes. I mean, if we play A-plus football, there's nobody out there who can beat us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we brought our A-plus game yet. Mm-hmm. Even against Green Bay, what did I say? We, we played A, A-minus, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, to say that Bruce Arians is you know, sabotaging Tom Brady or uh, not uh, letting Tom Brady be a part of the offense and forcing him to play – you know, call plays he doesn't like. <laughs> Such a load of crap. Read read Bruce Arians' book. Bruce Arians says in his book, and he says this during conferences, that, you know, the quarterback, his quarterback, his relationship with the quarterback is the most important thing on the team. And he wants the quarterback to be heavily involved in every aspect of the offense. He wants him to uh, help design plays when they, they script plays. And Bruce Arians brought this up in his press conference after the game, you know, he said that all teams around the league now script the first, their first 15 plays and they're, 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 they're 15 best plays. Okay. Now that was new to me. I didn't know that. Now I knew that Bruce Arians in his book, he said they script the first 30 plays, but I think uh, last year he had said that Byron Leftwich is doing just the first 15. I think I'm not sure on that. I thought the book said the first 15 plays. I'm pretty sure it was 30 because I was like, wow, that's that's a lot of plays. A lot of that's plays. half the game at least into the third quarter. So you've got scripted plays and also Tom Brady gets to pick those plays. I think it's five. Is it five that Bruce Arian said mm-hmm. that he lets the quarterback pick his five favorite plays and put them in those 15. So these are – these are Tom. Those are some of those plays are Tom Brady plays. You know, these are the ones he's picked out that he likes because Bruce Arians has got a big old book of plays. Yeah, like a thousand plays in that playbook. Right. So Tom Brady gets to pick five of them, and 
the, the other 15 are scripted, you know, and so <laughs> it's, it's just so strange to me that people don't look at that and go, oh, yeah, well, Brady's really involved in this offense then, you know, if he's getting to pick plays and, uh, you know, when you have scripted plays and that means you, there's not a whole lot of deviation you're going to do for at least the first quarter. Well, B.A. said that Tom Brady picks the plays. Tom Brady's calling plays. That, like that, all of them. That'd be news to me. Yeah, no, it was out this week. Hmm. Well, anyhow, the point being that, uh, you know, there's no problem between those two, even though God, the media is trying to bring one up. They, They're trying so hard. <laughs> they tried it early. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's a USA Today headline. Bruce Arians continues to throw Tom Brady under the bus. Quote, he picks all the plays now. That was from two days ago. So the media is trying to either foment a division between the two or they are just wanting to make it look like there's a division. I don't know. Are there wanting one? Don't know. But they're being disingenuous. You know, you can't, you just can't say stuff like that. I mean, it's just rumor and speculation for one and for two. What? I don't know. There's plenty of other stuff you could write about. <laughs> plenty of other, more stuff that fans would like to hear other than, you know, this gossip. High school drama. High school drama that they're trying to, to bring up. So, anyhow. Uh, there, there were two things that we talked about this week that I would like you to discuss. Talk about what Rick Stroud said on his podcast about um, guys like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rick Stroud said on his podcast that, you know, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, all these extremely elite athletes love it. Love it when you tell them they can't do something or that they're not going to be able to do something or that they're failing or something like that. They feed off of it. Yeah, like look at Aaron Rodgers still mm -hmm. 15 years later has a chip on his shoulder about where he was drafted. (laughs) He was drafted because he was embarrassed (laughs) to sit there in the the draft. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, Rick Stroud's like, you know, this might be a light a fire under Brady's butt. You know, it, it might be because... You know, he's probably a little pissed. Uh, the the uh, discount Sarah, what's her face from Sex in the City? What's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, discount Sarah Jessica Parker from TMZ Sports asked Tom Brady if, you know, about the, the rumors about them not getting along, him and Bruce Arians. And Brady was just like, it's just noise. It's noise. You know, it's and a, that's when he walked out of the press conference. Right. right? He <laughs> walks off the press, you know. But, I mean, he wasn't rude or anything. He was just like, all right, guys, that's it. Yeah. Right. Which they're trying to make a big deal about that, too. But people, <laughs> the media people in New England are like, yeah, no, he did that sometimes. He did it all the time. He hates losing. Yes. Like, he hates it. Like the whole with the other quarterbacks, him not congratulating the other quarterbacks mm-hmm. after the game. Like he just hates losing. Yes. I don't particularly like that. But again, it's like he's just this competitor. 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to lose. And yeah, he might act a little pissy, but he's the goat, so he can act however he wants. He can act he however wants he wants. I don't give a shit. Man, he has been throwing some great footballs. It's spectacular. That one that one he dropped into Mike Evans's hand that oh went to his hand. It actually but, didn't go through his hands. It went beside his hands. That is what is so upsetting about these drops. Oh. Is that it's like it's right through their right hands. Through yeah. It happened with the Antonio Brown a couple weeks ago. Yep. And you're just like, right if it hits you in the hands, you have to catch it. Yeah. If it's in arm's reach, rules. you should have to catch yeah. it. I mean, these guys get paid millions of dollars. Uh, Cameron Bright had a third down mm-hmm. that went right through his hands. I mean, he alligator armed it. Greg Allman brought up a good stat because I got to find it. Oh, here it is. Um, you know, and I was screaming about this too during the game, like third and two. Why are we not running the ball? Why do we keep passing it? Mm-hmm. And it was a little frustrating for me. And that's where I was like, yeah, okay, the play calling like is suspect here or could use some improvement. I don't like those calls. But Greg Allman ran down the stats and it's, he said, third and two is more often than not a passing down in the NFL. Across the league on third and two this year, there were 218 pass plays with 59% conversions versus 153 run plays and a 61% conversion. On third and three plays, there were 262 passes with a 55% conversion and 70 runs. So 262 passing to 70 runs. And that's on third and three. So it's a huge, you know, it's a pretty big disparity between the two. And so it's not abnormal in the league to pass on a third and two, third and three. Yeah. And, you know, we've got guys that can catch the ball normally, (laughs) you know, and we have plenty of design plays that, you know, get guys to where they can catch the ball for two, three yards. It's just, I don't know. It's the, very frustrating. But I, I will hand it to the Bucks media that they fought back on this. Uh, Joe Bucks fan immediately was calling this crap out. They were like, "No, y'all are being silly." The drama between BA and yeah, and the Tony Romo and to- stuff, and okay. the Dan Orlovsky, and the national media, you know, trying to act like. Bruce Arians is the problem. Yeah. they. I did read an article from Joe Buck's fan where they said Jeff Darlington, who is a media member in New England and covered Brady for a really long time, he's got sources with Brady's inner circle and just and those sources debunked this whole rift. And they said he loves Tampa. He loves playing for BA. They have a great relationship. There's no rift. So... Take those anonymous sources for what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the Pewter Report, you know, they put out an article that, you know, I was like, oh, man, here they go. They're doing that. But then they had an article today where they basically poo-pooed all that stuff, too. Uh, the play action, or not the play action, the uh, motion stuff and the Bruce Aaron's offense. And, you know, and they were pointing out that, no, they're Tom Brady's doing really good in this offense. And, you know, it, remember there was a couple weeks, the past few weeks, everybody was complaining about how Tom Brady wasn't doing the deep ball. He was, you know, like, oh, at 11 or something like yeah, that on the yeah, deep ball. Yeah, that was last week. That was the narrative. Yeah, right. Well, this <laughs> week 
Mm-hmm. You know, he pops off what like five deep balls. I know. You know, and it's it's just like it. Th- most of the deep balls that have not been completed this year have been because the receiver it was either a miscommunication problem or it went right through their hands mm-hmm. or they dropped it. You know, it's just like uh, you know, it's not Tom Brady, and it's not the plays. You know, plays are getting getting people where they need to go, and they're just not executing. And that's a thing about football. You know, we we talked about this a lot about how fantasy football has changed how people watch football and mm-hmm. see football, and you know, they they think you can just take this guy that scores this many touchdowns and you know put him on this team, and he's going to keep scoring that many touchdowns. Blah, blah, blah. That's what annoys me about the whole coaching thing. Mm-hmm. And I I mentioned this yesterday in the news segment, but people think that oh, we have a talented roster and all we need is a new coach to take them all the way and it's like you guys are totally like that's not how football works that's That's how fantasy football might work but that's not you know you get a new coach they want their own guys they don't give a crap that they're pro bowl they might care as far as them being trade bait, but otherwise, they're bringing in their own guys. Yeah, it's it's never a guarantee, and there's so many variables involved in football. It's one of the we're always fascinated by how you know every single game you watch, there's thirty stats that they that have been broken. There's three. There's always records being broken in every game, and that's because. There's so many variables that in any given game, there's probably a million different stats that could be broken. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't ever pay attention to all the stats that aren't being broken. They're, they're just going to find all these strange stats that you know they can bring up and go, hey, look, here's a record that was broken or whatever. And you're like, well, that's a weird one. But, <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, there's just so many variables that you can't ever predict what's going to happen in football. Now, when we talk about schemes and the plays, you know, like the, the play action stuff and the, the motions and the, you know, whether they're doing vertical routes or, you know, the, the West Coast office, whatever, it everybody seems to leave out that the players have to execute this crap. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good your scheme is, how innovative, if you don't have guys that can block and tackle and catch the ball and throw the ball, it's, just, it's worthless. It's absolutely and worthless. B.A. brings that up in his book. He says about 50% mm-hmm. of plays are broken plays. They don't go yeah. as they're supposed So that's half of all your plays yeah, are so, not going as designed. Right. So right there you're starting off. At, you've got a 50% success rate mm-hmm. if you're lucky. You know, And that's what happened with the Chiefs game. If you if you would have taken the two quarter the two halves and flipped them, everybody would have thought the Buccaneers were the best team on the field immediately because we were just dominating. We, we dominated that game pretty much after the the first quarter. I mean, they only scored ten more points. We scored twenty four. You know, we held them, we stopped them, that we gave we were giving them three and outs. Uh, we stopped them down in the red zone a couple times, and you know they they really couldn't do a whole lot. And if you would have taken those halves and flipped them and shown the first half first and or the second half first and it, everything, it would have been a completely different narrative that was said. 
But if you take if you take a hundred people in a, and you sit them in a room and you have them all flip coins a hundred times, you're going to have one person that gets fifteen or twenty heads in a row. I mean, this is a statistics thing. There's actually some uh, interesting uh, stuff behind all that, but mm-hmm. you can actually tell the difference between a random uh, coin flips and people actually mm-hmm. sitting down and mm-hmm. writing coin flips. You know, if you say faking it, yeah, faking it, yeah, you could tell because people don't understand that. Uh, when you flip coins a hundred times, you're going to get a long string of either heads or tails eventually, you know, that would seem abnormal, but it's not abnormal. It's usually what happens. And that's what happens in football. What you try to do is you just try to string together a bunch of good coin flips. Now the person that gets 20 heads in a row, he ain't doing nothing special. He's flipping a coin just like anybody else, but everybody was going to go, Oh, check him out. You got, you know, He'd probably end up making five million a year because he flipped a coin twenty times in a row, but that's how it works with football. What you're just trying to do is just get more of those positive plays on your side than the other team, you know. And you do little things to try and help the coin toss, but generally, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can just you just hope that your guys execute <clears throat> what you draw up so that you just start off with a fifty percent chance of succeeding. You know, I mean, that's about the best you're going to get on any play, the 50% chance. But, you know, if a guy doesn't block or if a guy drops the ball or whatever, then chances go way down. And that's what happened to us in the first quarter. Just a bunch of bad coin tosses. Yeah. Drops mm-hmm. balls, missed tackles. A perfect, perfect pass by Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Now, I mean – that one pass he threw on that uh, that slant route was just—I mean, it was perfect. It was on the dime in stride. You know, He's such a freak in nature. <laughs> yeah, Boy, we were really wrong about that one. <laughs> <laughs> you were. I said when I first saw him, he's going to be a star. <laughs> yeah, everybody's already putting him in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't go that far. Well, I mean, maybe. But uh, you know, towards the end of the game, he was throwing some. Not two good passes. Now, if he would have started the game off like that, you know, then the narrative would have been flipped and everybody would have been talking about how great the Buccaneers were and Kansas City couldn't get their act together and blah, blah, blah. So it's uh it's all it's all just very strange. And you gotta look at it, you know, you gotta look at it from all different angles, just like you do all twenty two football. You know, you yeah. You could see something from one angle and you go, oh, this is how it happened. Then you look at it from another angle and you go, oh, that's not how it happened at all. And that's happened to me so many times. You know, it's incredible. It's actually, it actually blows my mind. You know, I think, oh, this ball got tipped. And then I'll see it from another angle and it was 10 feet away. You go, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, it's very crazy. You know, you need to look at all this stuff from all different angles and realize, you know, the media, they've got their own agenda, you know. And I will give credit to certain local medias. Uh, uh, Rick Stroud has been kind of, you know, he, he's he's not really on board with the whole Bash and Bruce Arian stuff yet. You know, he's kind of like, you know, everybody calm down. This mm-hmm. is Greg Allman, too. Right. Greg Allman. Uh, the, the Pewter Report did come out with an article today that kind of debunked all of it. They're I kind of a, a mixed bag. Yeah. I think it was that lanyard, but. Yeah, they've got 
a lot of different personalities. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know which one it was. Uh, so, but you know, the some of the other outlets, especially the TMZ Sports, you know, just not. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even want to listen to those people. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh god, they all have no clue what you're talking about. Just trying to stir up drama. So, with all that being said, what's going to happen here? I mean, are we talking about? I mean, we're. Brady's seven and five. He's seven and five. He's used to being 13 and three, 12 and two, and all that good stuff, right? It was a trick question. Oh, it was? <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. He got yeah. some stats. Yeah, no. He got some no, numbers. No. Brady's been in this situation three times before, actually, in his career. Okay. This exact same situation. When? 2009. Okay. Patriots were seven and five after week thirteen. Guess what happened? They won out. They ended up going ten and six, made the playoffs. Okay. They lost in the first round to the Ravens. Two thousand and five, the Patriots were seven and five after week thirteen. Guess what happened? They went ten and six. They went ten and six. <laughs> ended up making the playoffs. Okay. Lost in the second round to the Broncos. In 2001, the Patriots were 7-5 and five after week 12. They had their bye week in week 16. This was back oh, when. Oh, gosh. Yeah, bye Why week would they do that? crazy. Guess what happened there? They went 10-6, and six, went to the playoffs. <laughs> Very and close. And won the Super Bowl. They went, to, they went 11-5 and five and ended up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. So this is not unusual territory for Tom Brady. He is very well-versed. And what needs to be done, and he's very good at doing it. I am not concerned whatsoever. We talked about this in the uh, little ten-minute news uh, segments we do on YouTube. That it's going to be really, really hard for us not to get in the playoffs where we're standing now. Basically, all we got to do is win two more games. Okay, to my math. I have a a playoff summary, an update today. Do you want to go through that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm done on my soapbox. Oh, you're done ranting. Okay. I think. So, the Saints are still the number one seed. Boo! After beating the Bronco, the NFL just gave them a game, and they're nine and two. So the Saints. No. What? Nothing. Okay. Broncos didn't give them that game. The NFL gave them that game. That's what I just said. Oh, did you? Yeah. You never listen to me. What? <laughs> did you say so? Uh, the Packers moved up a spot into this number two seed. They are eight and three. So they are one game behind the Saints. And so they are fighting for home field advantage in that number one seed. But... The Saints just have a cakewalk the rest of the season. I know that's a shock to all of you. They get the Falcons, Eagles, Chiefs, which will be the one challenge, Vikings, and Panthers. Hmm. The Packers, I mean, their schedule is pretty easy, too. They get the Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans, and the Bears. So the Titans might be a little challenge. And the Bears, maybe. The Seahawks overtook the Rams for first in the NFC West. They are eight and three. They moved up two spots in the seeding. They are third seed. Their remaining opponents, 
It's ridiculous. The Giants, the Jets, the football team, then the Rams and 49ers. Hey. I know. The Giants moved up the most spots this week. They moved up nine spots this week because they overtook the Eagles for first in the NFC East. They are four and seven. <laughs> they play the Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys. So that's kind of a rough schedule. The Rams are fifth seed. So they overtook or they swapped with the Seahawks. We really want that spot so we can play the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> they dropped down three spots. They are seven and four. They are one game. They have, or we're seven and five. They're seven and four. So they have one less loss than we do. So that's why they're ahead of us. They play the Cardinals, Patriots, Jets, Seahawks, and Cardinals coming up. We are in the fifth seed. We had no change. The Cardinals had no change. They are seventh seed. They're six and five. They lost to the Patriots, which we needed. So they're a game behind us. They play the Rams, Giants, Eagles, 49ers, and Rams. The Vikings won their game. They are in the hunt. So I'm just going to go through like the first three or four teams that are in the hunt. Uh, they moved up a spot over the Bears. So they're five and six and are now seventh set seventh second in the NFC North. The Bears are ninth seed. They're third in the NFC North. They dropped down a spot. They're five and six. The 49ers are five and six. They jumped up a spot. They're fourth in the NFC West, 10th seed. And the Lions are four and seven. They fell one spot. They're fourth in the NFC North. So, and then the guys at the bottom are still all kind of fighting it out. And the Falcons, they dropped, or they moved up three spots. The Panthers fell two spots. They switched in the NFC South. So now the Falcons are third and the Panthers are fourth. So that's fun to see. Mm -hmm. Fighting to not be last. And then the NFC is just a cluster. They're all at the bottom. So Yeah, the only teams we have to worry about that could possibly catch us is the Bears, Vikings, and 49ers. Now, they're they're all all of those are all of them are two games behind us. They've got five games left to play. We've got four. If we just win two games, all of them would have to win out in order to beat us. But they can't because the Bears Vikings play each other. So mm -hmm. only one of those two could win out. I mean, it's it we would have to literally implode to not make it to the playoffs this year. And to be honest with you, that's all I care about is making it to the playoffs. Because once you get to the playoffs, it's a whole different beast. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. And, yes, we're not hitting on all cylinders, but we're just going to get better. And once you get to the playoffs, you know, you, you never know what can happen. You know, and uh, I, we've got the talent, the skill, uh, all the weapons to make it to the Super Bowl and win it. And – by that time, we might just do it. We might be working together and uh, have everything, all the cylinders popping. So, you know, my my only concern is getting to the playoffs right now, making sure we get there. The only thing, only thing I care about. I don't care if we run any play action. I don't care if we run any motion, either pre snap or during snap or post snap or whatever. 
anybody wants to argue about. I don't care if we run man coverage, zone coverage. I don't care if Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are throwing pitchforks at each other. <laughs> Only thing I care about is that we make it to the playoffs. <laughs> so there. I'm with you. No, I'm with me. I'm with you. <laughs> You're with me? <laughs> oh, all right. We're going to have to wrap this up. I, I've talked way too long. Yeah, and, I, you know, I didn't really have any of this outlined or planned so much. It's just that, you know, I feel like it needs to be said. You know, when the national media and you've got people like Tony Romo, which I like Tony Romo, but the stuff he was saying was really... Nonsense. It was nonsense. And you could tell B.A. because they started asking him in the press conferences yesterday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Monday, uh about the motion and he looked really I don't know if he looked confused but he was just like you know some quarterbacks like it some don't like Peyton Manning wanted a whole lot and Carson Palmer didn't want any I don't know if that's what he said but it was kind of like that Uh, it was and um so he was just talking about it like yeah some quarterbacks like it some don't Right, but you got the impression that the media had no clue that it's the quarterbacks that call players <laughs> in the motion. I they, and they I, kept asking about it. Uh, yeah, they asked him uh, twice, I know of, and I think yeah. they had a follow-up, so that would be three questions on you know, pre-snap motion. And you're like, what? He, he had to have been totally confused. Like, what? Why are y'all asking me this? He probably had no idea that Tony Romo was running his mouth. Yeah, and then there's the whole the play-action stuff. You know, that, With both of them, uh, motion, especially what people are talking about when it's uh, at the snap motion and play action. Both of those are kind of dangerous plays. Uh, th- there's a lot that can go wrong, and I've got mm-hmm. video evidence to prove it. <laughs> but, you know, like with play action, uh, people might not remember because it was so long ago, but last week when we played the Rams – uh, Brady threw a screen to Ronald Jones who he didn't catch it and Brady had to throw it quickly which is probably the reason why he didn't catch it but it did bump, uh, go right out of Ronald Jones's hands but the reason why that happened why Brady was under pressure is because he did play action he had his back turned to the line and he couldn't see guys coming and so when he turned around there was a guy right in his face and he just kind of chunked it I mean, it's a, it's a danger with play action, you know, where the quarterback's got his back to the defense. And when he turns around, he's got to read quickly what's going on because, he, you know, he's not able to see. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you know, you do the sideways play action, yeah. which who gets fooled by that? The half house. Right. <laughs> you know, and the same thing with putting guys in motion. There's a lot that can go wrong with that. You've got penalties. Uh, matter of fact, Nobody probably remembers this because it happened so long ago. But in the Chiefs game, Tyreek Hill got an illegal motion penalty for running it, going in motion. I found that funny that Tony Romo, they just kind of glossed over that. They didn't even really say anything about it. I'm like, let's see, that's one of the problems with going in motion. You're going to get penalties sometimes. And then uh, you run into other players. You know, there's there's just all kinds of stuff that can happen. You know, these these things are not – they're not the end-all, be-all. They're not going to make us a better team. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to make us a better team is us just doing what we're supposed to do already. Catching the ball, Catch the tackling. Ball, block a couple guys maybe, you know, tackle a couple here and there. I don't know. I think the blocking has been pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Well, not on special teams, but. Yeah. 
Actually, they did That's pretty good story. Sunday, relatively. Yeah. All right. I do have a couple of news items that I just want to run through real quick, and then we can wrap it up. You ready? Yep. Okay. The Bucks cut Jack Sitchy, which mm. made me a little sad. Yeah. Uh, so he will hit waivers. And then they promoted defensive lineman Jeremiah Ledbetter to the active roster from the practice squad. So somebody's taken Jack's spot already. Allthingsbuccaneers.com is reporting that former Buccaneers defensive tackle Chris Hoven was arrested for misdemeanor DUI and felony child neglect charges. His blood alcohol content was 0.31. He, nice. Know, yeah. Pretty <laughs> Impressive. Which there wasn't any more information on the child neglect charges. I have to think that maybe there was a kid in the car when he got pulled over. Mm-hmm. That would be my assumption, but I don't know for sure. Chris played with the Buccaneers from 2005 to 2009. In 2015, he was convicted of DUI. And then in 2018, he was court ordered to stay away from his family. Whoa. So. And you hate to hear stuff like that. I know. Yeah. And then the last little bit, this is Bucks Wire on USA Today. Uh, B.A. was talking about the focus during the bye week and he said that they're going to do self-scouting and basically they're looking at analytics so Mm -hmm. he said we've got every play listed that we've run all season the yards the average the completions basically everything statistically for the entire season and for the last four ball games which is usually what another team breaks down so you have statistics on yourself for the whole season and the last four to know what the other team is looking at so I just thought that was interesting, and we're going to look at some stats. Analytics. Yeah, he analytics. actually he actually said analytics. Oh, he did? It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't call that analytics, but he, he said something. But he didn't use it properly. It was funny. He was like, I, I can't remember what he said, but it was, I was like, yeah, that's not analytics. But <laughs> it was cute. It was a good effort. Yeah. I like B.A. I wish people would stop. Yeah, and, and Byron. I like By- I like everybody. I like all of them. Y'all quit leave, shitting on the Bucks. Leave our team alone, Leave buddies. them alone. Yeah. Stop talking crap about my Buccaneers, yo. You, it makes me mad. I get yeah. upset. I know. And then she makes me go out and act foolish. <laughs> Defend like, my honor, Ralph. Go def- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we've kept this going on way too long. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, you know, there's plenty more I'd like to say. I'm, I'm getting the video out on the Tony Romo stuff so you can visually see what I was talking about when I was you know, saying he was kind of really just blowing smoke up everybody's butt. Uh, but be on the lookout for that. should be out tomorrow. But until next time. Go Bucks.